Greetings, friends. My name is Ryan Walker. It's 12.44 a.m. on Saturday, December 26th. In other words, Christmas has officially ended. It's okay. Don't be sad. It was a fun time. We got to spend time with our immediate family and maybe Zoom called the ones we love. It's been uh, tough using Zoom. There's no doubt about that. Listen, uh, I'm not here to talk about Christmas, though I would if I could. I'm really here because I want to talk about higher education. And the reason why I'm talking on this microphone in the middle of the night is because I feel like I got something to say. So if you're willing to lend an ear and talk about this with me and think about these problems, then maybe we could get somewhere together. And if you find valuable insights from this call or audio library that I'm creating, then tell me. Reach out to me. Let's talk about our insights together. We can grow together. We can benefit from each other. With that said, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Ryan Walker. I'm a junior currently in university, and I have a lot of problems with the university experience. And that's not because of my school or my teachers or a myriad of other things. I believe it's due to the software the university runs on. I know that sounds ridiculous, but we're going to explore that in this podcast, in this audio library, and we're going to talk about how software can make or break the experience of the student as told by the perspective of a student. I'm going to offer key insights into the resistance points I see within the university experience, and if you're listening, you might just come up with something because I already have. I want to develop this idea through this audio podcast and by talking it out, hopefully getting you to participate and getting your insights, maybe we can work together on this in the future. Let me first start by explaining how I see higher education software. Software just like in any other system. It's a collection of tools that allow you to carry out functions. And oftentimes those tools are not always the most ergonomical. They have poor design, product design, but most of the time they carry out the exact feature you'd like them to carry out. You know, if you you have somebody at your house who's a frequent carpenter or somebody who builds things, then it would make sense for them to have a nice hammer. But if you're just like a one-time need to put together something from Ikea guy, then maybe it doesn't really matter what kind of hammer you have. For students, it's the same kind of thing. We have to use this tool every single day, every day. So we want a really good hammer. And I'll tell you what, 
what we have now is not cutting it. I know that's a bold statement for a student to make, but it's how I feel. I feel like there is room for much better solutions. Do you know how much better the hammer got after it changed from being a mallet with only two hard points that could hit to a hammer, one side that could hit and one side that could remove nails? Do you know what I'm saying here? The hammer has evolved over time. It's gained new functionality. And I feel it is time for the learning management system to do the same. That's where we're going to start. Let's talk about the LMS. Learning management system, baby. At my school, we use Brightspace. Well, we use about 3% of Brightspace. We use assignments, content, and quizzes. I don't even remember what the tabs are called because we don't use them. I think one of them is discussions. We don't use them. There are so many features packed into Brightspace that we never get into. And some people feel guilty about that, and some people don't care. Personally, I don't think it's a problem, but rather a symptom of a problem. The underlying problem being that the learning management systems we're using are very bloated. Do you know what I mean by bloated? They're packed with unnecessary features that just add clunk to the experience, clunkiness, ugliness, beefiness, immotility, immobility. It creates an almost tacky experience because it doesn't feel like it has any follow through. Well, Ryan, what's the deal with the learning management system? Why are you picking on the learning management system? Well, as somebody who frequently uses this hammer, I'm curious as to why it's not evolving the way it should be. You know, first we had blackboards, and then we had whiteboards, and then we have learning management systems where we put down the homework. And, and if that's how you're thinking about how homework distribution should evolve, then in my opinion, you're thinking of it the wrong way. Because at the end of the day, you're really not trying to evolve that one process within the system. You're trying to evolve the system. You're trying to look at the classroom differently. And sure, Brightspace has all these amazing metrics for measuring in classroom progress. But at the end of the day, is Brightspace doing anything to change that? change the overall classroom experience? Now that's a question worth looking into. I think the answer is no. I think there's room for something better than Brightspace that takes over that central location in the toolbox of students. If you were to unpack the toolbox of students, what would you see? The hammer, the biggest tool, the most popular tool in that toolbox what would that hammer be? It would be the learning management system. Maybe followed up next by the registrar, the screwdriver, which is also no experience worth showing off. Maybe next below that you have 
handshake or the job postings or the equivalent, maybe the wrench. And below that tool, you have all the special tools, special instant screwdrivers, specialized tuning forks, Allen wrenches, the rest of the ordeal, all the little hammers and nails. You have the rest of the experience, but it's really about the, the hammer, the screwdriver, and the wrench. Those are the main three. Learning management system, registration system, and job system. Now it's interesting because it seems like the more internal the tool becomes, the less of a great experience it becomes. The job posting sites nowadays, like Handshake, it's a phenomenal experience. It's like phenomenal. The job posting experience on a website like LinkedIn, it's very good. It's not what it used to be. It's very good, especially for college students. Very good for us. Now, sure, there is obviously room for the improvement of overall internship quality, but we're not really getting into that yet. That's another episode. I'll have to do an episode on experiential learning. Sorry, I was checking the time. It's 12.53. You know, I work at an experiential learning company. I've learned a lot. I'd like to talk about that another time. Actually, let's talk about that now. I kind of made my point earlier. There's so many central tools and none of them have the ergonomics that they need to have. The thing is, they should fit together really well in the toolbox. But it's kind of a messy toolbox right now. It's like emailing an advisor. Where do I go to register for classes? Oh, you click this. It's not letting me do this or that. Okay, you gotta do this, this, and this. It's just a messy process. It's not clear. It's not clean. When you run into a problem, your, your motivation is already so low because you've run into so much resistance along the way. Let's talk about that for a sec. Resistance. What do I mean by resistance? Resistance is any point along the system where a user faces a test or a decrease of their motivation because of the amount of energy required to overcome, the amount of energy exerted to overcome a certain obstacle or resistance point within the system that we use, the systems we use, Brightspace, Handshake, there are clear and sometimes unclear resistance points that we have to come across. An unclear resistance point would be something that you didn't realize is causing a problem, that you didn't realize is bad. A clear resistance point is something that's very obvious. For instance, let's take Handshake, a great tool for finding jobs. A clear resistance point would be having to write up your resume and upload it. An unclear resistance point is why you aren't getting the jobs you want to get. It's an interesting thing to note because for the student, they might not understand why they're not getting the jobs they're getting. They're, they might not understand the job, well they might do that too, but they might also under, not understand why they're not getting the jobs they want to get. Versus a clear resistance point is, I need to get this job, so I'm going to turn in a resume, but it's hard to turn in a resume because it's a whole process, you have to write up a resume, etc. It's work. And by going through that clear resistance point, it's defeating your motivation a little bit. 
Well, maybe once you get it done, your motivation increases. There's a lot of theory that talks about how consecutive wins actually increases your overall motivation. Just like if you're playing chess, you would never start playing chess against a grandmaster because two or three games in, you never want to pick up the game again, you'd be traumatized. If that's what it feels like to use university software, then how can you expect students on the other side of that experience, once they go through all of that pain and gruesome experience, getting their homework every day, finding their test results every day, getting in the registration system. It's a very stressful process because it's full of so many resistance points. So many resistance points. Let me tell you some stories. I spend a while jumping unnecessarily between tabs every day. Do you think that fuels my motivation? Do you think that fuels my desire to learn? Or do you think it does something negative to it? It might seem small, but in the pursuit of being the best, even the smallest of changes make a big difference. So there's a difference between practicing a lot and making the shot or not practicing at all and not making the shot. Maybe that's not the best example. I'm not a great articulator, but I try. <laughs> Actually, I'm doing pretty good so far. I know there's no clear, consistent flow to this, but at the end of the day, these are my notes. So they're really for me. Maybe I'll develop a more clear cut format once I uh, write it out. Let's talk about experiential learning because we're random and we like to jump between topics. Experiential learning is when you go hands on a subject. You're actually doing it as opposed to writing about doing it. A business simulation is how would you go about maximizing profit for this quarter? A business experience is we need to maximize profit this quarter. There's a very significant difference, a subtle but significant difference in those two. In one, you have the option to fail. In the other, there's no option for failure. In one, you're applying what you've learned something that has no impact, no real impact, no implications. In the other, there are real implications. In one, you're doing it for a grade. In another, you're doing it for, well, for a paycheck, which is better than a grade in my opinion. We wouldn't get good grades unless they guaranteed us good paychecks. Unless you just are obsessed with grades for no good reason because there's an incentive structure behind that. When you get good grades, it makes you more likely to get a higher paycheck, etc., etc., etc. It's not that much of a surprise. I want to point out some things. Students who go out of their way to do experiences outside of the classroom love life more. I've noticed that within my friends, within my acquaintances, within my peers. The students who go do things outside of the classroom and experience things they love their education much more, and they value what they get out of the classroom more. The students who are living up to their fullest potential in the classroom but aren't doing anything outside of the classroom, they generally have the most problems. Why is that? Well, I think it's because there's this unique cycle between creation, inspiration, consumption, inspiration, and then creation. 
there's this there's this creation and consumption relationship the yin and yang but there's also the energy that binds the two together there's the inspiration and in the classroom context context when you create you're being inspired when you consume you're consuming because you're inspired to learn more to create more it's like that yin and yang balance that's a theory that i did not come up with i can find the source for that later and i'll put the diagram in the in the description of this uh this article but you can look into that more if you'd like there's a really good visual for it i'd like to talk about um storytelling or just telling stories and why it's important to tell a story and then i'd like to get into games and then we'll be done for the day let's see what time it is it's one o'clock okay one o'clock on the dot um it'll be 102 101 in a matter of seconds and it is 101 you know i'm gonna keep story short because i want to get this closed up really quick here I think there's something very, 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 very valuable about gaming and games. I always say if you want to teach somebody an intangible skill or trait or personality quirk like curiosity or adventurousness or intellect or any of those perceptively innate they, they seem innate but there's actually I believe there's a cause to those things you don't just become curious or become adventurous there's a certain series of things you experience that lead you to believe that there's a, that there's an overall pattern and there's some sort of subconscious system that tells you it's important to to tend to look into new things because looking into new things on every occasion has been in aggregate a rewarding experience given there's no overwhelming trauma that sets that back if you have a series of good experiences following taking a risk then of course you're going to be more of a risk taker or of course you're going to be more curious of course you're going to be more adventurous a lot of these students nowadays are being ironed out that those those good qualities that we like, that riskiness and adventurous, those those are good qualities, but they're being ironed out by parents who want fully perfect grades. It's important to realize because it's killing our nation's inspiration. It's how a lot of people end up unhappy, and I think it's a large contributor to the mental health problems in our world. There's too much pressure in that respect and not enough What's the opposite of pressure? Inspiration? Pressure is external force applied onto you. Motivation is internal force from you applied onto the world. There's too much pressure and not enough internal motivation. Do you see that could cause a problem? Games are great because they give you a safe space to practice taking risks. If I were to try to tell you the importance of being adventurous, I couldn't do it justice. But if I put you in a video game like Minecraft or Sea of Thieves or Grand Theft Auto 
any open world game where you're able to be adventurous and explore and you get loot and rewards you'll take what you learn in that video game setting and start applying it to the real world and you'll see the benefits of being adventurous in the real world nature favors the bold it's a common saying that is just one of the many personality traits and identities that I hope to develop in making this piece of software that I want to build. I want to incorporate a sense of adventure in the higher education learning experience. And I'm looking for people who feel the same way, quite frankly. Beyond that, I want to talk about storytelling, but I think I'm going to leave that for another time because storytelling is a concept in of its own. So let's recap. I started this talk kind of telling you about who I am and my background, and what I think is wrong with the education experience. And I sort of got into like the different resistance points that I saw and I kind of talked about how each tool is not very ergonomic and how that creates resistance points. And then one step beyond to that, I said experiential learning was an amazing opportunity for me. And then I talked about how experiential learning led me to this cycle of creation and consumption where I was doing things. And the result of that doing made me want to consume more information. It inspired me to learn more. And then I talk about how games were able to inspire almost intangible or almost like innate qualities like curiosity and adventure and only through an artificial environment where it's safe to do those kind of things did I realize the importance of doing those things in the real world so that is what we covered in today's talk or lesson or whatever the hell you want to call it the time is 106 a.m. so I think I'm going to let you go but man, it has been a blessing and a half talking to you today. And I hope you found something valuable. And if you did, write me a message. Tell me about what stuck out to you and why. Because I want to hear from you what you think matters and why this world needs you. This has been Ryan from Hero Motivation. And I want to hear how you are going to bring out the best in yourself this week. Leave me an email. Leave me a message. Get connected with me. Let's start talking. I love meeting people. And I'm very friendly. And I don't bite. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast today. And I wish you well.